Hey guys, thanks for swinging by our podcast today. We hope this message leaves you encouraged and filled with hope and that Christ and His goodness is meeting your every need. So we've been in a series now. I think this is actually, if you count last week, this is the fifth week about how the presence of the Lord just needs to be the priority of our life. And, and, and it's almost as if, like, I, I don't want, when something's important, you rearrange your life around that very thing. And, and I believe the Lord would have us rearrange our lives to where he is, uh, he is, he is really the priority. And I'll say this, the only priority. Because everything else flows, like if, if I'm in right relationship with him, everything else will flow from there, okay? Now, we've been talking about this verse out of uh, uh, Matthew 9 or a few verses. It says, then the disciples came to him, verse 914, Matthew 914. Disciples came to him asking, why do we, the Pharisees, fast? And your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them that the attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they'll fast. In other words, Jesus is saying, like, the, the, the person that you're looking for, the thing that you're looking for is right here in your midst. Now, there'll be a day when I'm not in your midst, and that's when he's talking about he'll send the helper, he'll send the Holy Spirit. But he says, in those days, you'll fast. In those days, you'll mourn. In those days, you will live with an ache. And so it's this... It's this longing that he's with us right now, but it's also a longing. Like I, it's this joy that he's with us right now, but it's also a longing that like, Lord, come. We need you. Your people need you. We need a greater measure of you, John 3.34. We need more of you in our day-to-day lives. We need more of you in our church. We need more of you in this nation. I mean, that, that's, that's what we absolutely need. And Jesus is talking about living almost with an obsession for more of him in our life. Like, I don't want to treat Jesus like he's some, like, salt or pepper, right? It's like, I, I want to season my life to where it's, it's tolerable, right? Some stuff you got to put a lot of pepper on. I don't do much salt, but some stuff you got to put a lot of pepper on to swallow it, right? And then you even got to hold your breath so you don't taste it when you swallow. But, but anyway, I don't want to just add him to my life like this. And I'm like, okay, I can get through it. I, I want him to become my life. All right? All right. So here's this thing. His presence is the only thing that matters. And, 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 and Jesus was essentially saying that we, we can get distracted. Now, as a church, we can easily get distracted. We, we can major in the minors. We can uh, uh, place more value in certain things or activities than we should. And, and, and real, really today, I, I just feel like I've shared from this passage before, but I, I actually I shared from this passage, work from this passage when we did the Revival Family Series over a year ago. And, uh, but, but I really want to talk about just stewarding his presence in our day-to-day lives. Hmm. Stewarding his presence in our day-to-day lives. Look at Acts 2.42. Acts 2.42 through 47, actually. It 
says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Verse 43, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Verse 46, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day of those who were being saved. Okay, I really like, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day of those being saved. (laughs) However, there was a lot that happened right before that, all right? (laughs) There was a lot of stuff that happens right before that. Now, now this is what I want to say here. Sunday morning Christianity only has to die. I'll say it again. Sunday morning Christianity has to die. Sunday morning only Christianity has to die. It has to be done. Now, here's what's fascinating to me. Now, verse 42, it says that they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Then verse 43 happens. Now, in my Bible, there's a paragraph between those two verses. Now, it's easy to read those two verses and think, it just happened. I read, I read this uh, uh, scholar that proposed that between verse 42 and verse 43, which I'll read here in a second, was a period of three years. Now, I think that's really significant because this, it says, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer for three years. Then verse 43 happens, and it says, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many signs and wonders were taking place through the apostles. Like, well, I want the signs and wonders, but it says that for three years, they were giving themselves to this thing. What, what does that mean? It meant that day in and day out, day in and day out, and day in and day out, they were devoting themselves to the presence of the Lord. Three years. What does, that, what does that mean? It means that like, it, we, we come into this environment here and we have an encounter with the Lord. Like, like the Lord was here this morning and, and we sensed him, we felt him, we, we knew he was here. But it, 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 for living week to week on what happens this Sunday and we don't experience the Lord until next Sunday when we're back in here, then I'm failing as a leader. See, see, I believe, I believe the Lord would have us begin to live our lives in such a way where we devote ourselves radically unto him to where Monday morning is just as good as Sunday morning, where Tuesday morning is just as good as Sunday, where Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, Friday morning, Saturday morning is just as good as the week before. And, 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 and it happens by saying, I'm going to continually devote myself to this thing. I'm going to spend time in his presence. When I sense that he's near, I'm going to stop everything that I do. I'm going to pause. I'm just going to keep doing this and keep doing this. And continually is the very key that, that, that unlocks the door to a greater measure of him. 
Consistency is what, and like that's not a, that's not a real sexy thing to say, right? Like some of this, it's going to take a lifetime. But it's worth it. Because he's worth it. It's not enough. I say it's not enough. It's not enough to just meet on Sundays. Uh, uh, the word continually, what they did for three years, it means to persist. It means to keep on with devotion. It, it means to join. It means to adhere. It, 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 it means to be faithful. And so, in other words, we're saying the Lord's presence, I'm going to join myself to his presence. The Lord's presence, I'm going to adhere myself to his presence. The Lord's presence, I'm going to be faithful to his presence. In every single, I, I say every single, uh, there, there's sometimes I do much better than others. But moment by moment by moment is what it means to follow him. And so here's this invitation that the apostles are saying. I mean, this was right after Pentecost. And then we read this and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, the breaking of bread, the fellowship and to prayer for three consecutive years. And then it says, and they were in awe. Now, I think that they were in awe through the continuation of this duration that they were doing it because I think it's impossible. I think it's really impossible to begin to pray, to worship the Lord and not experience him. And, and then not, I'd say to experience him and not be in awe when he moves. The word continually also means strong, staunch. It means to persist obstinately. <laughs> I struggle with that one, that word. To persist obstinately. It means they were obsessive about this. It means they were absolutely obsessive about this. I, it would be a really good thing if we could just get obsessed with him. Now, they kept it pretty simple. They, they really did keep it simple. And, and like the, the four, I mean, they kind of gave us the four... Uh, um, I don't know, core values of the early church. I mean, they, they didn't deviate from this. It says that they devoted themselves to, to teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of the bread, and to prayer. Like, that was the church growth model. That was their outreach plan. That was their plan for, to win the nations. That was their plan for absolutely everything. And, and so, so it'd be like, well, shouldn't we have a big carnival? And I don't, I'm not against those things. I'm just saying the early church's plan was teaching, <laughs> fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. <laughs> well, what about a big raffle? Well, the early church's plan was teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. What, what, about, what about a prayer walk? Well, I think that's a good thing too, right? But the early church's thing was teaching, Fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. I mean, it's like, it's, like, it's like if it did not fit into those four things, they just weren't going to do it. And I would propose to you this as a church, that, that if it doesn't uh, foster an atmosphere of prayer, if it doesn't foster an atmosphere of worship, if it does not, does not help steward these things well, then we just really don't need to do it in our church and in our day-to-day -day lives. Teaching. What, so let's look at these real quick. What, what, what are these four pillars? 
that they devoted themselves to. Now, three years is a long time to do anything. <clears throat> we do like four to six week sermon series here. Then I feel like I need to move on, right? People's going to get bored or whatever. And, and the Lord is these guys again for three years. They devoted themselves to this. And afterwards, they devoted themselves to this. But to teaching means to correct doctrine. They devoted themselves to sound doctrine, to correct doctrine. And, and I'll just tell you this. Like, the moment I don't share from this is the moment I'm probably getting a little squirrely and weird. And, and it's time to find somewhere else to go. All right? We need to believe the word. It's like, this is perfect doctrine out of this thing. So there you go. And if it's not in there, then it's probably not true. All right. Now, fellowship means close, close mutual association. It means sharing with one another. It, it means like the person to the right, most of y'all sitting with your family. So the person on the other side of the room, it means living your life in such a way that you can't live with that person on the other side of the room. means you can't picture your life without the people in this room right now. And that's hard sometimes. Because it becomes more of an association. More of, I come into this room right before service starts and I'm out as soon as the amen said. I mean, this means that y'all is going to know stuff about each other's lives. And it also means that we're... It means that we can't judge what's happening in someone else's life. Now, now I say that. Now, if you see someone out of line and, and we got to share with them, you do it in a loving, kind way. Like, hey, I really think that this is going on and I'd like to speak into that. But, but then if they do that, then it's illegal for you to get upset at them. <laughs> right? Or maybe you get upset for a few minutes, but you get over it. But what I'm saying is, is, this, this is this is more than just being a member of a church. This is being part of a family. And, and the problem is, and like I'm, we're part of the church of Nazarene, so we have members. But the problem with members is, is you can get offended and leave. But with family, you don't leave. You don't leave a family member. You say, I can't, I can't picture my life without you. <laughs> to the breaking of bread, which is communion or sharing meals. The best thing you could do is have communion together. The best thing you can do is share a meal and laugh. No agenda than each other and making sure the Lord is in the middle of that meal. Now, it doesn't mean that you need to open up, open up to Leviticus chapter 4 at the middle of the restaurant to be like, let's have a study on the law. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying what it is, is, is he's in the center of this thing. And so I'm going to have joy when I'm with you. And I'm going to enjoy your company because we know the Lord's with each other. We love each other. We're here for each other. And, and that's how we steward the presence of the Lord is being committed to that very thing. And it's... Um, in, in, in a society where everything's this, like this is challenging. This is challenging. And to prayer. The early church prayed. 
in Acts chapter 2, what were they? In Acts 1, Jesus tells them. In Acts 2, they're in the upper room gathered. They were worshiping and they were praying. And then the release, the sound of the mighty rushing wind, it was like a mighty rushing wind, came through. Why? Because they were praying together. And so, so prayer isn't something that we do when we need something. Prayer is something that we do because we just want to communicate to, with the Lord. And, and I'll say this. This is just free, and I think this is really significant. But when you pray, Jesus essentially gave you the power of, a, uh, the, the power of attorney. Like, how many, if, I'll say, how many of you know what power of attorney is? I'll just, let me explain it really quick. If, if I write a power of attorney to Bob, it would mean that everything that I have, Bob has legal right and access to. Bob can legally make decisions on my behalf because I've signed over my right to make decisions on my behalf, if that makes sense. And that's a really simplistic definition, okay? And a lot of times when, when family members get older, they sign a power of attorney over so that the younger family members, the children, can manage the estate. That's typically what happens. All right, Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, it's, now again, we've, we get kind of squirrely and weirded out sometimes when, when we hear that verse because we think, oh, they're going to abuse it. And I'm just going to tell you again, quit letting the abuse of a few people that are out there in left field ruin it for the rest of us. Now, he signed a power of attorney over to you. So when we pray and we say, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And Jesus' name is not something that we add to a prayer so that we sound more religious, okay? And it's not. It's like, oh, better in Jesus' name. Right? Like, like, no. In Jesus' name means this. The person that Jesus was when he walked the earth, the person that Jesus is right now, seated at the right hand of the Father, and the person that Jesus will be for all of eternity. We're saying that right there is who we're praying to. And he gave his legal right to use his name when we pray. So, so let's say this. Do you think Jesus has ever prayed an unanswered prayer? Probably not. So I'm saying he's given us authority to use that name. So when we pray, we can pray with a boldness and a confidence. All right. So when we pray together, it grows us together with each other. It grows us together with the Lord. And by the way, if we're praying, why we like, you know why I like y'all to pray out loud? I'm just, just going to teach today if that's okay. I may get wound up and preach, but I, uh, you know why we pray out loud? It's so, so if Bob's praying and I'm right here next to Bob and I hear him and he's praying, I can agree with what he's praying. I can't read minds. Sometimes I'm prophetic and I know what's going on, but I can't read Bob's mind. But if he speaks something out, I can agree with that in prayer. And where two or more are gathered in his name, he will be there in their midst. And two or more gathered literally means where they are together in agreement he promises to be at. So if I hear what you're praying, I can agree with what you're praying. And guess what? He's going to move because he promised to. So we need to be praying. So I, I say all that. I, I, I believe that the early church grew like crazy because they kept it simple. You used to have a football coach that said, kiss. I know you all, some of y'all heard that before, right? Keep it simple, stupid. 
<laughs> Most of the little ones aren't in here. We can say that. So, so kiss, keep it simple. And, and, and I believe they grew because they kept it simple. As, as a church, as a pastor, as the pastor of River City Hope, my belief is we just need to keep it really, really, really simple. And it's hard sometimes because, again, because of this thing right here, I, I mean, we're live right now, people's watching, and, 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 and I love it, that's fine, but it doesn't really matter to me. But, but what happens sometimes is you look and you see what someone else is doing, and you think, well, that's successful for them, we need to do it right here. Or we think, well, this is work there. We need to do that right there. And that's fine and dandy. Maybe the Lord said to do those very things. But maybe, just maybe, instead of looking and comparing ourselves to everywhere else, maybe, just maybe, we just ought to seek the Lord and see what he's saying in that moment and do that very thing. And it's much, much more hard because we're a people that like to plan out stuff. And like, I'm all for plans. I'm all for preparation. You have no idea how much I plan and prepare. But when the Spirit shows up, I want to follow the ebbs and flows of the Holy Spirit. And so, so when, it comes, when it comes to what's going on in the church, I just want to keep it simple. Like, I, I don't care that the church down the street has a million-dollar facility. I don't care that they have bounce houses every week. What I care about is are we going <laughs> to devote ourselves to the teaching and, and, and I'm not saying devote yourself to my teaching. I'm saying devote yourself to the teaching of the Word of God. And, and are you going to devote yourself to that? Are we going to devote ourselves to fellowship of, of living with one another? And we're really starting to do that really, really well, I think. I think we can do better, but I think we're starting to do that, to devote ourselves to fellowship, to breaking of bread, to sharing of meals. I, I, I've been getting convicted of this and probably going to make some changes in my own life. Like start sharing communion with one another at your house. Take the blood, take the body, do that together. It's just this holy thing to do. And then to praying with each other. And watch what the Lord does. Watch what the Lord does. There's all kinds of studies and I get all kinds of emails and letters and stuff like that. Uh, uh, from denominational leaders and, and, and just from the denomination in and, and, and general. And they're talking about all these fast-growing places, what, what the Lord's doing. And, but if you really look around the globe, uh, let me say it like this. There's all kinds of studies on how to reach people my age and younger. And it's all about if you do A and you do B, you get C. And I'm, I'm, I, I think it's junk. I think it's, if we keep it simple and keep him as the focus of why we meet, because we're not here to listen to Logan Wells lead worship. We're not here to listen to Michael Perkins preach, although that's a big part of what we do. We are here to gather together in the presence of the Lord, because that's what changes things, okay? And, and so if we keep it really, really simple, like... Like I, and sometimes I'll get phone calls from pastors and they'll say, they'll see the video and they'll say, what are you all doing? And I'm like, well, you know, and you've heard me kid about, like, we, we pray. And okay, what else are you doing? Well, we're getting our people to read their Bibles. And, and what else are you doing? I, I'm, I'm trying to get them to believe it. Well, what else are you doing? <laughs> That's it, dude. It's the most simplistic and most difficult thing we'll ever do. And it's the only thing I believe that will work. Yes. Because, because look, look, look at this. 
if, if we spend, let's, let's, we've talk, been talking about generational legacy, that's what we did last week. If, if I keep our kids interested in church because we keep them the most entertained, the moment they graduate and go off to college is the moment they'll go buck wild. But if they have an encounter with the Lord, and if they're raised in a home where the presence of the Lord is the most important person in the home, they will not depart. That's why we talked about that verse last week. Train up a child in the ways of the Lord, and when he gets older, he shall not depart. That's the promise from the Lord. I just want to keep it simple. <laughs> and I don't say this arrogantly because that's, that's like I'm learning this as I go. I'm learning this as I grow calluses on my knees. I'll get phone calls. Someone will call and say, I think I'm called to be part of your church and I'm called to do this. It's like, that's like, that's what you're doing at your current church. That has nothing to do with what we're doing. I think you need to do it where you're at. I just want to be part of a family that just says, he's why we meet. Nothing else matters. That's, that's the only thing. And, and I'm, I don't know. I'm so off track this morning, but I believe the Lord's in this. I just want to keep it simple. I like simple. <laughs> I like simple. You know what simple is, by the way? With, with simplicity, you, it's much easier to replicate or duplicate or multiply. If we have a big complicated formula, like we're not going to win a city. We're not going to start churches around the country. We're not going to do these things. I mean, it's not around the country, around the city. I, I think that we have complicated church to such a degree that we think that we need all this stuff and really always need him. I'll just backtrack to that. Now, here's what else is fascinating about the early church. Verse 43, it says that they kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. They had their own miracles. They had their own miracles. They had their own signs. They had their own wonders. They devoted themselves to this thing. They gave their life to this thing. Let me, let me, let me. I say they had their own miracles. When you, when you read, like, especially like when you read Exodus, part of Leviticus, when you read Deuteronomy, a lot of that is retelling what had just happened. Like Moses repeatedly tells the story over and over and over what had happened in the life of the Israelites. But when you get to the book of Acts, it's fascinating to me. Like there's one account in the book of Acts where they actually retold a story. And that's when Stephen was getting stoned. He just recounts everything. But aside from that, they did not tell any of Jesus. I say did not tell. Something that's written down. The only thing that's written down are the signs and wonders and miracles that happened through the men and women in the book of Acts. They did not repeat a Jesus story. 
Now, don't hear me wrong. Like, we need to retell and repeat the Jesus stories. But I think it's really significant that they, they were like this. One time, Jesus raised someone from the dead. The book of Acts, Paul preached a really long time, and, and Eutychus fell out a window, and he died. And Paul hops on top of him and raises him from the dead. Okay, so, so what I'm saying is this that they had their own miracles, they had their own stories. And again, I love Jesus. I'm just saying, if we could devote ourselves to this stuff, the Lord could do something in us and through us, right? That's why in John chapter 14, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he'll do also. And I'm thinking, Jesus healed the sick, raised the dead, he cleansed the lepers, he cast out demons. And then he's like, oh, by the way, you're going to do greater stuff than that because I go to the Father. Now, I happen to believe that the works that he does, that's all those signs, wonders, and miracles, the greater work that he never did is he never baptized someone in the Holy Spirit until the Holy Spirit came. I think the greatest thing we can see now is someone to get sanctified and filled and filled with the Holy Spirit and have a new nature. I think that's the greater work, by the way. Because, I mean, seriously, how can it be greater than raising the dead? (laughs) I... Like, I'd, I'd probably, like, if I walked into a morgue and was like, boop, I'd probably just, if I had a microphone, I'd drop it and walk out, right? <laughs> I, I think the greater work, honestly, I think the greater work is seeing people filled with the Holy Spirit. Because that's the only thing that Jesus technically did not do when he walked the earth. All right. And it's not us filling them. It's the Lord. but. But I say that the Lord desires to move in us and through us. And if we could devote ourselves to this thing and devoters, and I'm talking to the people that's here. I know you're devoted, but I'm saying if we devote ourselves, devote ourselves, and when we're tired and worn out, right? When, when you have a 12-hour worship practice, essentially, and you keep devoting yourself to the Lord, or when you've had a hard week at work, you devote yourself to the Lord. If you've been sick all week, but you continue to devote yourself to the Lord. If your kids have gone off the deep end, but you continue to devote yourself to the Lord. If, if your family just misunderstands you, but you continue to devote yourself to the Lord, the Lord will begin to move in us and through us. Yeah, so good. And I, I, just, I just want it, man. I do. <laughs> Mark 16 is a really profound promise. It says, these signs will accompany those who believe. Now, let me say this. Like, I like signs, wonders, miracles, but a sign is a sign for a reason. A sign points to the destination. It does. Like, when, I go down, when, when we travel and we have a hotel room booked and we see that the Hampton Inn is 18 miles away, Right? Or when you pull off on the exit ramp and it says Hampton Inn, quarter mile to the right, we don't stop at that sign and throw up or camp right there at that sign on the side of the road. You go toward the destination. So when the Lord moves in us and through us, it's never to draw attention to that manifestation. It's to draw attention to Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the destination, right? Yes. So these signs will follow those who have believed. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. This is pretty cool. I mean, it's pretty cool. 
I, I, I think that the only way that's possible is if we devote ourselves. Because yeah. you know what? I, this, this is just the truth. If you devote yourself to the Lord and you see him move, you see the Lord move, you see the Lord move, I mean, or, or, or you, you devote yourself to the Lord and enjoy his presence, you enjoy his presence, you enjoy his presence. Let's say it like that. When the Lord finally decides to move through you, it's no longer about you. And you're not tempted to take a selfie and post it on Facebook for someone to see. I like selfies. They're fun. But I'm just saying. But if I minister someone on the streets, they're a person. And I don't want to hurt their dignity so that I can make myself look better. I think that's also why, I, I believe I can prove this. I believe this is why, like when Jesus... In the New Testament, he would, he would heal the lepers and he'd say, go, go show yourself to the priest. Don't tell him I did it. Or he would heal a blind man. He said, tell no one who did this. And he'd just slip off. Or he'd say, go show what God did for you. And he'd slip away. He didn't say, go, go tell him what I did. And, and I think that if we can devote ourselves to this thing, that the need to be recognized begins to go away. Yep. Amen. And, and, and I, I really think that if, if we don't have to be recognized, it's so funny how the Lord works because the kingdom's upside down, right? If you want to be first, you must become last, right? And, and, and if you want to be certain, you must become the servant of all. And it's all these types of things. But if you want to be known by God, you have to decrease. That's why John the Baptist says that, that he must increase and I must decrease. And so as the Lord moves through us, it's not about come to my church and it's not about look what God did with me today, hashtag bless. It's not about that whatsoever, right? It, it's about them having an encounter with the Lord in you and through you. And it's, it's really, really funny. Like, like, I, I used to share stuff all the time, and, and I do still sometimes when the Lord tells me to. When the Lord tells me to. For a while, I was only sharing 10% of what, I, what the Lord was doing through me, and now it's probably much less than that. But, but I, I, it doesn't matter if I'm seen. What matters is if he's made known. And so, so they were filled with a sense of awe at the many signs and wonders, of wonders and signs that was taking place through the hands of the apostles. Now, what's interesting is this, is that now the apostles, I think we can read that and think, well, the apostles are all dead and gone. Well, the word apostle, apostolo, it means to be sent. Each and every one of us is sent. And, and I don't believe the Lord stopped doing those things today. So therefore, as we go, those things can keep coming. Now, I love what happened because the Lord, as you're pressing in and seeking the Lord, it's like he, the old phrase, you throw a dog a bone, <laughs> right? I think the, they were experiencing awe was those moments of wonder where they're like, man, this is hard, but I'm going to keep pressing in. 
And the Lord does something. Oh, he's going, right? Here's another one for you. You've been seeking after me. Here's, here's a bone you weren't even expecting. You've just been seeking my face. Here's a breakthrough for someone you've been praying for, right? Here's something like, I mean, I, I just, I hope you hear my heart. Gospel's so simple. Now, as a corporate body, there's only some things that can happen when we're together. And that's why I believe there's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. But it's a personal relationship. We say stuff like that. It's, it's actually, you're right, halfway. It's a personal and a shared relationship with Christ. <laughs> that's why in... Let's just use this for an example. So, 242 through 47, it says that, that they continue to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, the fellowship, and the prayer. And then they were in awe, three years later, they were in awe at the many wonders and signs that took place through the hands of the apostles. And they go on, they start talking really what that looks like logistically. And then you fast forward about half a chapter and you get to Acts chapter 3. And Acts 3, verse, let's look at this. Acts 3, verse 1 says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour of prayer. Now, Acts 3, 1 through 10 is probably my favorite miracle story in the entire Bible. Because there was a man that was lame at the gate called Beautiful, and they were, he was laying there, and Peter and John were going up together which I think is a prophetic picture of what it looks like when we get together here and what it looks like when we get together with one another at each other's home because they were making a devotional ascent to get into the presence of the Lord is what's going on. And as they were going, they saw a man that was laying there that was born lame and they made eye contact with him, which I think is this amazing picture as well. You've heard me preach this, that they didn't ignore the problem. They saw the problem and they met it head on because they were not afraid. They did not shrink back and they looked at him. And I know that guy thought he was going to get his lunch money for the day. And they look at him and say, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I have, I give give to you in the name of Jesus, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Now I can't prove this, but I believe this with all of my heart. If it had just been Peter, I don't know that that guy would have gotten healed. If it had been just John, I don't know if he'd have gotten his breakthrough, but it says Peter and John, cause there's no accidents in the Bible. Peter and John were going up to worship, and they saw him. I think there's only certain breakthroughs that happen when we get together. And I think there's only certain things that happen when, when you're with one another. The problem is, is that we're taught by society, you can do it on your own. You don't need anyone. Just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just show them all, right? That's what we're taught. And then we celebrate people that do have amazing triumphs of doing something solely on their own. And while I celebrate those things and think those things are amazing, I think there's something to be said when we get together as a corporate family, whether it's in this setting or whether it's across from my dining room table, there are only certain things that can happen when we get together. 
What if it takes an entire group of people? What if it takes an entire church to raise our kids? What if it takes an entire room full of people to win a city, right? What if it takes an entire room of people to actually host the presence of the Lord to such a degree that when we get together, we don't need to teach, we don't need to preach, we just come in here and the Lord starts convicting of sin and people start laying down their life. Like, like what if it takes each and every one of us? And not just here participating when we sing, but what if it takes everyone when you're having a meal at, I don't know, Qdoba or wherever, wherever you all eat. Logan Wells Bistro. <laughs> Tosh Wells Bistro. <laughs> you're saying it takes all of us. It takes all of us. So how do we... How do we steward what the Lord's been doing? And I'll say this. How do we steward what the Lord's been doing over the last five weeks? Because in my opinion, I feel like there, there has been a tangible shift again in the congregation. But how do we steward what the Lord's done the last few weeks? Make him the center. And don't do it without the people that's sitting to the right or to the left of you. Thanks for listening to this week's message. The goal of River City Hope Church is to provide as many resources as we can for free. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to HopeForRiverCity.com. Again, that's Hope, the number four, RiverCity.com.